This is the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast for September 5th, 2023. Welcome to the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast, where we talk about everything by talking about games. I'm Drew Messenger-Michaels, and I'm here with... Oh, hello. I'm LV, I guess. You sure are. So we're breaking all the rules today, and we're going to actually be topical. We're going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3, the game that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, but I think we have something kind of special to add to the discourse, because we're coming at it from like two angles you probably haven't heard before. Uh, Elle in particular. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't like D&D. You don't like D&D. I mean, neither of us yeah. are really that familiar with D&D. So let's, let's begin by putting our cards on the table. And then we'll talk a little bit about what Baldur's Gate 3 is from our perspective. So I play a lot of tabletop these days. Tabletop's actually a pretty big part of my adult life, particularly since the pandemic. For those of you who listen to the end matter of this show, you're probably aware that I uh, have another, uh, or I'm on another podcast, an actual play podcast called Dice Punks. We play a lot of tabletop games, but pointedly not D&D. And that isn't really an anti-D&D position, though there might be various levels of shade thrown at D&D by some people on the podcast. It's more just that there's already so much D&D stuff out there, we want to add something different. There's so many indie systems and all of that. Uh, your lack of contact with D&D is uh, more extensive. I mean, you don't tabletop, Yeah, period. no, I don't tabletop mostly because uh, I am a recovering actor, and I think that actors... Um, generally have very strong feelings one way or the other about tabletop RPGing and LARPing and those kinds of things. Like, I feel like actors either really love that or like run screaming in the other direction. And I am of that second camp. Could you hazard... Part of it has to do with your recoveringness as an actor. But but even when you <laughs> no, were... No, even when I was still a working actor yeah. thinking I was happy living my, you know, dream life. Um... Good times, I, good times. Bad I still, times, bad times. I still was very not interested in tabletop or LARP or any of the above. I think to you, it felt a little bit like when someone would say, "Oh, you're a singer, sing something for me." Correct, right? Like it was like, no, it this was is my also. Job. I also have a hard time, like the same reason. I also think that singers are, they have very strong feelings about karaoke as well. It's the same thing. Like love it or hate it, yeah, yeah. Like I cannot. I have no interest. Like. For me, it's always an issue of like, I don't want to be the asshole who walks into the room and is like, everybody admire me for how amazing I sing. My voice is so beautiful and you've never heard anyone sing as beautiful as me. But then I also don't want to like consciously have to like, you know, quote unquote, like dumb down my voice, you know? So like, I'm just, I'd just rather not. It's too much to think about. And that's like similar to how i feel about like rpg stuff and irl rpgs and yeah yeah i've talked about this a little with the dice punks crew uh, even as as someone who's like hasn't been a professional actor like much or at all in my like adult adult life but like 
you know, is a trained actor, was a professional actor for 10 seconds. Like, to me, it's actually kind of important to not do acting in most role-playing situations because it's just like it kind of eats everything, especially if you're the most actorly in the scene. It becomes more about attention than about telling a story together collaboratively, which is is what it's supposed to be about. That's what makes it interesting. I think also it has to do with actors that do or do not like improv because for me it's like, no, absolutely not. You don't like improv. You like to have a plan. Correct. Um, Even as a musician. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like the only improv I handle as a musician is like Baroque improv where it's prescribed improv. (laughs) For those who don't know, Baroque music, Baroque music uh, actually has a fair bit of improvisation, but it's quite rigid in terms of what you're supposed to do allowed to do. There are rules, yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so improv is not my thing and... You know, I'm one of those weird actors who's also like hardcore introverted. Um, so, no, tabletop is not a thing for me. LARP is not a thing for me. I only act if I am being paid to do so in a very controlled environment. And uh, usually I prefer if I cannot see the audience at all. I cannot stand. Yes, correct. I cannot stand if I am asked to go into the house and be <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. oh, God, there's nothing more painful for me. And like, there's lots of actors that love that shit, like love to run through the aisles and like get people up and dancing. And I'm like, please kill me. Like, no, under no circumstances. As an audience member, I hate that shit. Personally. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, same. I'm trying to think um, of an example of it being done well, and I'm struggling. No. honestly. But. I don't even like to sit in the front row to play because I feel like <laughs> then I'm like. I have to work like I'm at work correct like part of the canon well and like the the actors are relying on me to like be fully engaged the whole time and like be the good laugh and I'm like I'm at work I don't want to be at work yeah yeah so yeah no I've I've got very strong feelings about D&D but like I like the idea of like the structure of the game itself if I didn't have to do the play acting what do you like about the idea I really like games like, for example, Fire Emblem, where it is a combat game that is very structured and every turn has strict parameters and like you can plan out your little strategy and like it's about how you are planning your relationship to the enemies in the space and knowing who can do what and who has what skills and that there's like a little bit of a social aspect like, you know, here and there. So it's like, you know, I I like the structure of an RPG, right? And Mm -hmm. like... And specifically something like a Fire Emblem where you're you're fighting a very lavish battle, but also you have an emotional attachment to the people on the right. battlefield. Yeah, like I like that. And that's fun. Um, and that is a lot of what D&D is. Exactly. And so like when I heard the pitch for the Baldur's Gate I was like, oh, I could play a D&D without having to play a D&D. <laughs> this to me is very appealing. Um, so I thought it was like the perfect pitch for me. Let me pause and nerdily for those who are listening, because people listen, who don't really play games, right? And like, what is Baldur's Gate 3? It is the third game in the Baldur's Gate series. That's not helpful. It's made by a studio called Larian that makes these kind of, uh, I think you said frighteningly robust uh, RPGs. Yeah. I thought that captured it pretty well. We're like, a lot of things can happen. Um, I should back up and say that like for as long as there have been video games, one of the kind of dreams of video game development is to make a game where you're playing D&D and the computer is your dungeon master, right? In one sense, this is almost like low-hanging fruit, like it's obvious because the nerds who were working with early computers, and we're talking like the 70s, right, were also generally speaking the nerds who were playing D&D. 
But at the same time, this was like an insanely ambitious thing to do because this is one of the more human things you could ask of a computer, right? To respond and improvise and remember in the way that a human dungeon master would. Right. So this is kind of one of the longstanding dreams of video games and Baldur's Gate 3 is this big, explicitly D&D licensed RPG that goes about as far with that as any game has so far. It's very responsive to your choices. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, they've anticipated a lot of the stuff you could do within the system. Um, we were having a tense standoff with, uh, with a goblin healer and you stole the potion she was going to drug us with. And there was a bespoke voiced recorded line of dialogue with, you know, procedural facial animation for that exact situation. It's that kind of game. <laughs> Is that a fair description for, for you as yes. someone coming in kind of cold? Yes. Yes. So that was interesting to you. Yeah. How's it going? Um, well, to begin with, like the very first thing was like, oh, there's there's aliens with tentacles. <laughs> and yeah. I don't like aliens. One of the things you like the least. Correct. In any setting. Yes. Yeah. Um, the only exception to that is Star Wars because they're different because they're puppets. Right. Muppet aliens. Yeah, they're, they're, even they're you okay. you struggle with other puppet aliens. I think it's because you grew up with the Star Wars. Yeah, no, they, they feel like friendlies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like they're not, I don't know, they don't count. Um, but other other than that, I I am very very afraid of aliens. You'll probably hear us use the shorthand squiggly. Yeah, no, I don't like it. Um, tentacles, Wet puppetry, yeah. tentacles are no, a big thing. Uh-uh. And so, yeah, I mean, this is so not really, I really yeah. was not expecting that because, for whatever reason, my perception of D and D has always been like very high fantasy, like mm-hmm, elves mm-hmm. and druids and like. I was not anticipating anything with tentacles being in that universe <laughs> and apparently more the fool I. Um, yeah. Part of why I wanted to play this one and why I thought it'd be fun to play it together is I, like I said, I'm not that big a D&D guy, even though I like tabletop, even though I obviously love many of the games that have been influenced by D&D. It's, it casts a long shadow, but I wasn't that familiar. I didn't, I didn't know from tieflings until we, you know, until yeah. relatively recently. And I think one of the things that, you know, thinking about it more this game gets real squiggly real fast. You start on a mind flayer ship. If you, I talk about Dark Souls a lot on this. There are things that are basically mind flayers in Dark Souls, and those are lifted directly from D anD. I was more or less aware of that. I wasn't aware they had like flying airships. But they're that just were, aliens. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. They are. <laughs> right. And I think this is the thing, right? D anD. D has been going for such a long time that D anD. D like almost isn't any one thing anymore. Yeah, like which, it does contain squiggly stuff. No, I, I was expecting Tolkien and I got HP Lovecraft and I was like, what? <laughs> and HR Geiger, what? that yeah, shit no, was pretty I was, up. Yeah, yeah, no. I was very shocked and very like, okay, call, call me if this ever ends. Like, yeah, so I'll... I got off the ship and <laughs> then we started co-oping. Yes. And I think it's a bummer for you that the main story involves the squiggly yeah, elements. You're trying to cure back, yourself of the parasite. And, and that it's like part of the whole tale is like them reminding you all the time of the weird squiggly thing in your brain. And I'm like, I don't want to think about it, please. I also I have, I have a theory. I don't know if this is true, but the goblins. Talk, this isn't a spoiler or it might be. I don't know because I'm guessing. But the goblins you talk to, you talk a lot about the absolute who's like a Johnny yeah. come lately God. I think the absolute is a creation of the mind flayers yeah, yeah, yeah. and has something to do with the squiggle tadpoles. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. like it. Um, yeah. So it's central to the plot in a right. way that I don't think either of us necessarily no. expected. No. 
So that that was an immediate turnoff for me. That was tough. Um, it dampened your enthusiasm yeah, significantly for several really, days. It was very sad because I was like so enthusiastic. And then that happened. And I was like, well, fuck. Like, we should be clear, though. You also get elves and druids. There are definitely no, elves no, and druids. No, no, totally. That is a thing. But like, that's what's weird is like, what if HP Lovecraft crashed into Tolkien? Like, like that's weird for me. Like, I just, I was not <laughs> expecting it. Um, because D&D, what, what D&D fundamentally is, I think most people are aware it's a combination of like tabletop war gaming, right? Right? Like right. let's let's simulate famous battles from yeah. World War II or whatever, and Tolkien. Right. Um, I think I think what I was not fully aware of is that it is more of a melange yeah. of whatever yeah. those kinds of nerds right. at that time in that place might have been into. I knew about beholders, the big like eyeball things. What? But, no, I don't know. Right, what you're talking well, about. We'll, no. we'll do behold, you've got so much to learn. We'll do beholders another day. <laughs> no. uh, but, so yeah, that was yeah. that was the first big. Uh, sign that okay maybe the pitch was not as perfect for me as i thought okay maybe i'm not the perfect audience for this as i as i originally believed i was because on paper you are exactly exactly yeah someone who's always wanted to play D &D, but doesn't actually want want to play play D &D. D &D. right exactly so i was like oh my god how exciting and then immediately was like aliens um right so there was that but I should say, when we were going through the character creation stuff, you did get excited about some of the other stuff. Not just elves yeah, and shit, totally. but like, what the hell is a drow, right? Yeah. You ended up rolling a drow in the yeah, end. Yeah, because I was like, what is it? And I th- like more or less assumed that it's like dark elves, which I'm all about. You're not totally wrong. and, and yeah. But like, like because we're both D&D idiots, when we got to the first like kind of goblin camp and the oh goblins my God, yeah. worshipped you. I know. And I was like, this fucking rule. great. Like, all right, cool. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't this was not an informed decision nope. for you to lead this conversation. No, but it was fun. Um yeah, so that's the you know I, I enjoyed creating the character and thinking about all of the fun things I can do. Like I, I I'm always down if I can be a pickpocket, if I can be a lockpick, I will fucking do that shit. It is my favorite. I am a magpie, so like that's fun. I like to walk around and just like open everything I can open and collect all the things. Because we rolled you with high sl- with high sleight of hand. And we should note, you didn't specialize, though, in, like, thievery. You specialized, you're an assassin, right? Yes. Like, indiscriminate killing when appropriate yes. uh, or when desired right. is very much part of your character. Correct. And and for the record, just so you're picturing this party of adventurers, dear listener, uh, I am a dragonborn bard. Um, people say, oh, so you literally spit hot fire? Yeah. And I say, no, I actually, actually lightning. Because um, <laughs> I'm a bronze dragonborn. Um, yeah, so that's, that's our merry band. And we've sort of... Um, there's, for those who don't know, right, there's NPC companions you can adventure with. You can just have a party of four players. Uh, you can do it on the couch. You can do it online, whatever. But there are also, you know, like, like uh, I think of it as maybe Bioware style. You know, you can have your NPC companions who you, you know, adventure with and level up and smooch and, you know, or, or not, according to your preference. Yeah, that was also funny because at the very first opportunity we had to, like, leave anybody behind at camp because our party got too big. Like the very first thing I was like, get rid of that annoying fop. I don't even care to learn his name yet. We barely know him and he's already annoying to me. Please leave him behind immediately. This for the record is fan favorite. Asterion. Correct. Which yeah. we didn't find out until much later when I was like, wait, what? People like that guy? Like I didn't even know his name because I was like, get rid of him immediately. So there's more to him than his foppishness. I know, but it's just funny that like. <laughs> our tastes might run a little different yeah, yeah apparently we, yeah you so so i've been I, i've been playing a bit without you uh, yes. in the first as of the first patch you can actually put your co-op buddies who are not currently around away in a magical cabinet actually it's like a cabinet of companions it's pretty funny um so i've done a little stuff you haven't met carlock 
uh, yet. No, no, I have not. Uh, Carlac, I should know this, but no. I don't. Uh, I love her. I just she does she doesn't say her own name right. more than once. So anyway, yeah. uh, she's great. Uh, the kind of devil lady. Uh, she rules. Um, we've been really liking Gale, the wizard. Yeah, I'm all about Gale. He's funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just feel like uh, that was another sign of like, oh, I'm not, not again right. exactly like everyone else who likes this game <laughs> likes the character that I immediately was like, yeah. <laughs> you recoiled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's funny i think there's gonna be many many more though i oh, think yeah, these I'm are just sure. like yeah, your yeah. starters yeah. yeah i remember you commenting how brutal it was how quickly you have to form a classic party of four which is i guess like a, a hardcore DD thing but you very quickly have more than three companions and you've right. got to leave somebody at camp right. but i had no trouble oh, no no trouble leaving behind the guy that everybody else I believe your exact words were man that's brutal to make you pick already anyway it's that it's the thought <laughs> yeah get rid of him get rid of him immediately i want that twink destroyed yeah no so so that was, you know, just kind of a, a funny aside that I when I learned later on that that was the character everyone loved, I was like, what? OK. Um, and then generally just like I it immediately gave me like menu overload. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I love a game with some in- inventory management. Like I love a game with some menus. Right. Yeah, like I yeah. play really random annoying anime jrpgs all the time <laughs> like that's my trash Where on that scale is rune factory how complicated is that um so rune factory is one of those ones where just like it's a lot of game in the game like the a lot of systems yeah exactly like it's not the like you have to go too deep in any of the menus it's just that there's a lot of management of a lot of different okay. things maybe disgaea is a better example because you do love those and those are i mean maybe that too just a breadth of systems yeah no, so exactly yeah play. like um Nino Kuni also just mm, like yeah, yeah. so many games in the, the second game. one in particular. Correct. Yeah. Um, and like, so like, I'm about that. Like I'm, I'm not afraid of a lot of systems, <laughs> but like just the, there, there's something about the openness of it mm. where like, cause that's, that's something that I don't think I like really clocked. And that's something that I, I do know about myself is that like games that are too open, I don't like. Right, right. Um, Zelda's a problem for you, even, right? For that even reason. Zelda is too yeah. open for me, and so like I, it hadn't really occurred to me because in what I perceive as D anD D, like it's very prescribed. Like the way I perceive it is that mm. the game master, or the dungeon master, is like taking you through things, and you just make choices and roll dice. That's really interesting because I think it depends a lot on the dungeon master. Like what right. you're saying is true, but I think like if it were too true, that would be what a tabletop player would call railroading, right? Like, right. Like, and that, that's, I think, what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. this game is not that. You would think that video games would be better at that. But of course, this right. particular video game is, is trying not to. It's tr- yeah, it's right. trying to simulate Which, someone sitting across the right. table from you and going, okay, what do you what? want to do? Right. And that, yeah. that, that for me is like, mm, I don't <laughs> want to think about what to do. You tell me what to do and then let me decide if I'm good at it or not. Early on, there's a place where you need to jump across a river. And I like sort of figured that's what you had to do. And there's places where you can kind of ford the river because it's really shallow. And I kept kind of looking for like like an interact point where like, oh, here's where oh, we jump. Funny. But yeah, no, yeah. there's just one of your millions of verbs is jump and yeah. you can do that. And that yeah. initiates a little thing where then that's you can see if you jump me. that far. But then, of course, Gale couldn't jump far enough. So he got stranded on a rock. Oh, that's And funny. then he got like his mage sickness. So I had to jump back across the rock, cure him, go to camp <laughs> to get rid of Gale. It was, yeah. So like 
it's interesting because like this is really robust right it's just all these systemic yeah. things that can happen but it's also like not always fun like having gail stuck on a rock and having to jump back and then go Tedious. to camp twice yeah. to get across and then resummon right. him isn't actually necessarily an interesting situation right, totally. you can get around it pretty easily yeah but it's a lot to take on yeah. when you're learning this crazy menu system and Correct. you're also learning D D. right neither exactly. of us so like that's the thing i i feel like what I originally thought the pitch was, was D&D for people who don't like D&D. And what I have discovered is that actually the game is just D&D for people who love D&D. Like, and it who is, love Baldur's Gate, who, have, who want a new one of these computer yes. RPGs. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. So, and like, that's great. And I'm very happy that they are, they are getting exactly what they want and they are loving it and having such a good time. But I'm also like, oh, I thought maybe I would have a way in. And it does not feel like a way in. It feels like a... No, if you're not already in this club, this ain't for you. It is pun intended uh, <laughs> alienating in ways that you didn't expect. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. So. That said, though, I think we've had some pretty fun adventures. Already. No, I, like I'm still enjoying like hopping in when I'm around. Like mm-hmm. um, I had a lovely time finding that I could get weird cannibal ogres to be our friends. Like that was fun. Yeah. You totally stumb- stumbled upon. Yeah. Um, what was his name? The the the, the yeah, he's like ogre, a, a smart a smart ogre, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then like also stump like finding that weird like abandoned apothecarist. You stumbled upon an alchemist. Alchemist, that's right. Yeah, and like just started grabbing everything in sight, and immediately was like, oh, now I can make potions, and I was like, that's cool. Like I like that I'm an assassin who makes potions. That sounds great. Yeah, like yeah. you know that was you know, but it just felt like I was just. I didn't have a goal in mind. Like it just feels like fucking around mm. in a way that I don't tend to game. You kind of need me to lead the party Correct. and you need to be there as the agent of chaos. Correct. The, yeah, to yeah, just yeah, like yeah. fuck things up. I'm having the main quest conversation and right. you're picking everybody's pocket Correct. or stealing from the armoire of the goblin priestess. <laughs> right. Which by the way, that was great because we had to feed one of those magical items. You stole the kale. I would have had to feed him my boots otherwise. So I'm glad <laughs> we have that on hand. Nice. Um, didn't want to make him eat my shorts. Um, it may <laughs> come to that. Yeah. So like, I think you are having a good time, but I think yeah. like, I think you're right. It's that not it what I expected. Well, you wouldn't want to play it solo. Correct. Right? Yeah. And that's fine. No, totally. It's the fact that there is this kind of co-op makes it, you know, I can at least absorb some of it and like be part of the cultural moment which yeah. is, is nice um, especially with this patch because you sort of had to commit to a co-op playthrough or not right. before but now that it is like truly like drop in drop out that is rad because yeah. it means that i can adventure and kind of catch you up right. and then you can join when uh, when something is, strikes your fancy right. you especially want to go mess stuff up with a cool devil lady yeah. or what have you yeah. what's your opinion of the D bullshit now that you know more about it right like aside from the yeah. stuff does the other stuff kind of meet your expectations exceeded is there stuff you didn't expect in there that was a a good surprise yeah i think again i i did not fully grasp just how open it Mm. is like like you're explaining that like what i assumed is considered like bad form (laughs) you know like that that a a dm not by all but i know but like that a dm that is like that has a story in mind is not considered Mm. you know the the insufficient player agency right exactly like no i don't want agency like i don't (laughs) want to make choices like i just want to see if i can do the thing that you want me to do um 
I prefer a game that has some some strict prescription of yeah no I get I get decision fatigue real easy and open world stuff I'm like but no just tell me what I'm supposed to do next please I don't... whereas I when I get led by the nose too much you I, get I so feel, mad yeah. I feel condescended to you yeah. know I can't play too many Sony Santa Monica games in a row even though they're really good like because you know I had I had played Miles Morales and then I played God of War Ragnarok and I was like oh it's a map with so many yeah, icons. No, but see like I don't play those games like yeah, when I like yeah, totally. yeah. Yeah, that's so like put a few more words to what it was that made you want to get into D&D. Was it just that like you like high fantasy bullshit and this is like some of the OG high fantasy bullshit or was it was more like what you're saying? And like also like part of what I like about any game is like building a character and like deciding what kind of skills like, you know, like that. Like I get that. Like the the appeal of that is super fun. Um, you're not intimidated when you level up and you have to pick one of 16 spells. No, no. It's like, oh, cool. I what's, like that. What's more fun to have with totally. me? Totally. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like coming up with the right combination of things and what you're going to specialize in. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's JRPG shit all day. Like, yeah, let's do it. Um, I think now that I'm understanding the battle system better, you will actually be pretty into it because so much of it has to do with some of the stuff you like from Fire Emblem. Mm. Um, hierarchies of power and like positioning yeah, yeah, yeah. and totally. like high ground is really important right. in this game. Um, and and like, triangles of what is better against what. And... To a degree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, even more than that, it's like knowing what can cure what. Because like oh, if someone casts a like hold person spell on you, you're fucked unless somebody <laughs> can cure it. Uh, our girl Shadowheart has a spell that can okay. that can cure right. that. So yeah, there's see, a lot that of that sounds kind of appealing. But like once I got into it and was like, oh, like there's no like boxes to move to it's just like go you can go wherever i'm like no i don't want no want Reminded a me a little bit of we, uh, yeah 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 the warhammer thing of getting out of tape measure exactly yeah go. no that's exactly what it feels like and i'm like no, i want i want a checkerboard um please because fire emblem for those who don't know it's a very checkerboard. Grid-based. very grid based yeah um, it's so simple and it's wonderful. Like I was play. playing the Advance Wars remakes, right? Like these are yeah. abstracted, clean, elegant to some degree. Yeah. Advance Wars is more elegant than Fire Emblem, but they're yeah. both way simpler than, you know, D&D slash Boulder's Gate slash the stuff we're dealing with. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot for me. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Beyond the squiggles, what do you think of the plot so far? It's It's all squiggles. The plot, all the plot is all squiggles. That's interesting. You perceive it as all squiggles. I, guess, I also, like, I also, <laughs> yeah. Well, because anytime like the narrator chimes in, which also like gives me like very, very strong Stanley Parable vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah. like, no, I totally hadn't clocked. That oh, sure. it's Stanley yeah, Parable yeah. vibes for me. Um, where you're just suddenly there's a narrator and she's telling you what is happening literally in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's funny to me because that's the Stanley Parable. Um, Except in this version, you can't contradict her. You can't rebel against the narrator yeah. quite as directly. Yet. But no, like literally every part of the story is like, you know, anytime the narrator kicks in, it's because you meet someone who also has a squiggle in this their brain. Everyone and you're all gonna, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm We should like, say, uh, we're still, because we've been like trying to do everything and it's been like a slow onboarding experience, we're talking still in act one, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, I mean, I, I don't assume it gets less squiggly, but right. it probably ends up being less of just, you meet someone, they have the parasite. You meet yeah. someone else, they also right. have the parasite. Yeah. You talk about the parasite. It, I'm assuming it goes beyond that. Um, we are super taking our time, dear right. listener, which seems correct for a game like this. We're having every possible side adventure. We're going into every basement. We are uh, 
uh, we are getting up in various uh, literate uh, uh, bestiary beasties business <laughs> and so on. Um, so yeah, w- this is not like a comprehensive review. That's not yeah, the no. intent, but it's interesting. Yeah, Just, yeah, it's more like first impressions. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And I mean, yeah, this is the kind of game where you know, fifteen hours in, it's time for first, first impressions. impressions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but again, that's not weird to you, right? No, you play super absolutely not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, that's not weird. Yeah. Yeah. What do you hope the rest of it includes or does not include? Less squiggles. Less squiggles, um, sure. Yeah. If act one ends with, and then all the squiggles died. Um, it's like the fucking time turners. Yes. Great. Fantastic. Neville knocked them all off the table. Yep. And now they're they're just all gone now. Uh, <laughs> cool. You'd uh, be okay with hack writing if it means no more squiggles. Correct. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I'm not sure that like my, my biggest gripes can be a like because i mean yeah. they're not gripes but just like preferences like no no, no totally these yeah. aren't they make the game bad they're yeah, they no, make no. the game less for you than you correct yeah. yeah so it's just like eh, you know would you want to play some of the other larian games because they've made other rpgs that are not in the D setting that are you know the same the same openness but you yeah know, i don't less know squiggly. openness is sometimes tough for me mm. as as mentioned if it is too open i am too overwhelmed immediately Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm just like no what battle is the next battle what is next what is a map what is to go to next (laughs) yeah this will never be that yeah no i i need a linear yeah which is why it's okay if i do kind of the more open stuff totally and then i'm like hey i call you in and all of that almost like like, hireling soldiers or whatever except it's you and you're a lot more chaotic than they would right you're just like there's a gate i can't open and i'm like haha you can now (laughs) Oh, what am I going to do about this person? Oh, you've already stabbed them. Oh, we're fighting everyone in the room. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. And again, that is very much in the spirit of D&D. That totally. sense of, you yeah. know, of chaos and, right. and of finding the most weird sideways situations. You know, those are the most weird sideways solutions to various situations. How do you feel about the explicit dice stuff? That's something else that's very different from other games I you like play. it. I think the dice is fun. Um, I'm into it. I think that <laughs> what's funny about it is that uh, it doesn't matter when you're playing by yourself in a video game because you just save conference. <laughs> the, the actual stakes to it are meaningless. Right, right. So, so again, just just to clarify for those who don't know, right? In this game, you roll a twenty sided die when you do various things, and you know it tells you like this is a certain degree of difficulty. So you got to roll a five, a ten, a twenty, whatever. Um, that is of course directly from tabletop D and D, and in tabletop D and D. Or some video games, to be fair, like Disco Elysium does this pretty well. A failure can be as narratively interesting as a success. I, again, I don't want to say Boulder's Gate doesn't do that because we're not that far in. But in general, it just kind of seems like you miss a piece of information or a trap blows up in your face or, or whatever. It's, they're not usually super fascinating solutions. So we have been safe scumming a fair bit to just like see more stuff. Yeah. So like, I like, yeah. I, I think Dice is fun and Dice is cool, but yeah, it doesn't. I mean, what does it do is kind of an interesting question. Right. And like, I think that the way it behaves when I'm, you know, observing how you play tabletop, like that, that's an interesting gameplay mechanic because it is like, hey, this one shot, let's see how it goes. Right, right. Um, There's, there's weight to it, to deciding like, do I even want to attempt this? Whereas in Baldur's Gate, there's there's no sense of that. You're like, I'm going to just keep rolling until I get what I want. Want in this interaction so i'm not afraid of failing like yeah, i'm just gonna yeah, try yeah. whatever there's no risk you know to to trying something you know is yeah difficult for your character which is something beautiful video games can do of course right like it's like i actually kind of love that you can save scum another game i'm playing right now is remnant and uh 
it has this feature where you can sort of roll burner realities. There are these like really intricate uh, from software-ish quests, but you can just like create an adventure mode as it's called, where instead of trying to negotiate with the Empress, you shoot her immediately uh, and just see what happens. Uh, there's something <laughs> about a video game that sort of encourages that and that can be a really cool thing. But also, of course, like the other thing games can do better that I would argue than tabletop potentially is just keeping insane numbers of variables in mind. Right. Right. Like not, not building a story together that I think people around a table or whatever are always going to be better at, but just remembering an an unfathomable number of things. And this game, I think takes full advantage of that. The the statistical density is exactly like the, the, just the overwhelming amount of data that's happening at any point is like, so it's impressive wild. and wild yeah. and i do want to give it a chance to like to have some of my failures and bad decisions be canon and see if they have long tail tail effect because mm-hmm. i bet they will yeah um but yeah no in the moment it is hard when you know when your your character who you built to pick locks and stab people fails at picking a lock or stabbing someone like it's just <laughs> never not gonna feel strange um and yeah, so I think, you know, I, how much should you save scum exactly as much as it enhances your enjoyment rather than diminishes it? Uh, that is always the answer, in my opinion. I've sort of had my finger on the save scum button. That hasn't really been your prerogative. <laughs> but we have yeah. done it. No, totally. And like, you know, sometimes it's been because I accidentally started fighting with somebody and I didn't mean to. So I have initially when we started playing, I just said, like, when you're going to do something really irresponsible, <laughs> tell call me it to out save, and I'll yeah. save scum. And then you said you should just be saving a lot because <laughs> right? you're not going to know Mm-mm. always. I mean, th- that is something else about just the sheer robustness of it is especially as you're getting used to the interface. You might do something you don't even realize you're doing. Correct. Right. It's pretty clear about when you are picking something up that is free and clear versus stealing something, for example. Yep. That's what happened. <laughs> I accidentally but that's not stole clear either something. initially yeah I know and I was like oh oh I just oh okay all right I guess we're fighting this guy now oops yeah we charmed our way out of that one we talked our way out of the situation and I believe you immediately stabbed him anyway you didn't like fight a group of people you convinced him that you hadn't stolen it and then you stabbed him as he was walking away <laughs> well Which, you know yeah it is a funny thing because you didn't have to pickpocket him if you were just gonna stab him <laughs> Well, I guess you picked his pocket. He went down from the guard tower into a dark alley, essentially. And then you convinced him you weren't a thief and then you killed him. So in a way, it was the perfect crime. Yeah. Totally. And these are the kinds of weird stories that this game is good at producing. I'll give you another one. When uh, when uh, I first met my devil girl, you were not around for this adventure. Uh, we hunted down the people who were hunting her, who were some real jerks. And she joyously lit a flame. Um, and I, I gave her like, you know, free range to be like, like wreck this place, like mess it up. You deserve it. You've earned it. And she set the entire party on fire <laughs> out of sheer joy and killed uh, me and Gail. Um, and although I did reload, I did save scum. That is my canon ending for yeah, this character. The end. Yeah. He died the way he lived. Yeah. And letting his, his devil girl throw herself a fire party. Yeah. It's good. It's good. What else are you playing these days? Playing a lot of dwarf romantic still. Yeah, I like I like my dwarf. Dwarf um, is very open as puzzle games go, but of course it's very different than uh, still open, having a task. Open uh, if, if you consider the fact that you have six sides to every piece and four type or four types, five types maybe. There's more than five, right? but like yeah, like the, like that's the entire number of variables. <laughs> After you got overwhelmed by Baldur's Gate 3, you did immediately play a couple of rounds of Dorf, yeah. I will say. I love my Dorf. You haven't played a big RPG in a minute. You've just been really busy in life. Um, 
I did play an old Fire Emblem, which made me happy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You played uh, the first one that came out in the States, the Game Boy Advance one? Yeah, yeah. It was really good. Um, I enjoyed that very much. Yeah. See, I like I like big, annoying you games. You don't have to be defensive around here. I like games where you can, you know, end up accidentally getting your friends killed. I get it. I'm into it. You save scummed a lot in that one. To be fair, as yes. everyone did in Fire Emblem, pretty much, before... There was like an explicit yeah. rewind feature. It's also, it. yeah, it's also really easy to do when you're playing a Game Boy Advance game on a Switch because right. it literally has a rewind. Feature. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, I love the rewind. I mean, I, you know, I, I saved scummed in games in my day. I saved scummed <laughs> in games when that meant turning off the console. Right, exactly. Right. Now. No, and it's it's gloriously easy. It's wonderfully easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, and again, it's, I, I think when people talk about like an anti save scum position, they mean that they don't want to be tempted. They can't trust right. themselves. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, like, what's what the harm like, yeah. you know what i mean like it's it's you a game is about you enjoying yourself you figure out how you enjoy it and enjoy it if like, what you're well, doing is making you enjoy it yeah. less then do something else right. it, that is very That's much up an to option you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but this is an interesting position to take when you know it's like you're like but you don't like the openness it's like well i don't know just pick something and do it <laughs> right i think people do want to be told how to play in the same way that you want to be told what's next sometimes again yeah. it's just what you gel with totally yeah yeah me me I'm not calling you a hypocrite. I just find it an interesting <laughs> thing where different people's lines are. I'm not trying to. Totally. I'm not trying no, no, to no, no. It's just funny. Logic. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, it is funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I played that Fire Emblem. What else have I played recently? Well, what was that little camp game that I had to like rehab? That Haven Park is that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, that was a good one. That was just like I literally knocked that out in like two days. Mm-hmm. Um. But that was a fun one. It was like kind of open, but kind of not. Mm. Um. Just because, like, you had to do, to do some of the stuff in order to, like, find what was next and do the next thing. But, like, some of it you could do out of order and it was fine. Um, mm-hmm. But the funniest thing about it was that, like, post-credits role, there was, like, an entirely new subterranean world. It was hilarious. And I was Literally like, Literally depths what? the game didn't yeah. seem to contain. I was like, hold up. Like, what is happening? Like, for a game that small... That's crazy. I was like, this is this is crazy. And we're doing a quick What's Your Plan section. I am playing uh, the new From Software game, of course, Armored Core 6. I was away for a bit on release, so I'm still catching up. But it apparently... Somebody let slip to me. is apparently, like, almost near Automata level in terms of, like, subsequent playthroughs. Like, Excellent. You, you kind of have to play it three times. Oh, are you very excited? Hidden Depths. I'm, I'm in hog heaven. <laughs> uh, I'm, do, I'm very happy. Between that, and I, I alluded to it earlier, but Remnant 2 is, like, a, it's a third-person shooter. It's very co-op focused. But it definitely has a lot of From Software influence in terms of the way the quests interweave. It really encourages you to, like, poke at the edges of things and what would happen if I did this before that. And, you know, uh, Lucio and I were just trying to kill this one prince with an assassin's dagger as the killing stroke but we something else technically killed him so we didn't get his crown it's that kind of <laughs> game um so yeah i'm i'm definitely uh a, a glutton for 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 from software and from software influenced things uh, right now uh it's all good stuff yeah so Baldur's gate three seven out of ten <laughs> is what you're saying um yeah i mean i'm, I'm saying if there were no squiggles maybe maybe i'd feel different but, sure yeah. sure you couldn't really toggle the squiggles. That isn't a thing. You I know. Can, they're central. That's what I'm saying. The Larian logo turns into a mind flare. No, why? Why? So, I mean, again, dear listener, this is an interesting thing because obviously 
uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is not intended as an on-ramp for people who don't know D&D, but I still think it's interesting to think about what it's like for someone who's coming at it fresh. Because I'm, I, you know, neither of us are strangers to complicated RPGs. Right. I'm not a total stranger to Larian's work. We're both kind of strangers to D&D 5th so edition. Right, yeah. um, so it's like, because there's so much information and so much genre, not cruft, but so many genre conventions in this thing, it can be, I think, useful to step back and just think about what it's like for someone who isn't already <laughs> steeped in this. I mean, for me, it's really valuable to be playing this while I'm playing Armored Core 6 because I goofed around with the other Armored Core games. For those who don't know, these are like big, like you build a mech and you fight with mechs and it's very mechanical and your parts have weight and friction and power <laughs> draw and things, right? And it controls really differently. Like they've modernized the controls as compared to how they were on, you know, that way back in the day, but it still feels really different. It's nothing like Dark Souls. There are no iframes, right? There's no point at which you're That's invincible. Weird. You just have to actually not be where the guy is shooting, uh-huh. uh, which is very intuitive. But for my ass, <laughs> I was like, I've played that tutorial boss a lot of times. And I think the spiritual connection I'm trying to draw between Armored Core 6 and Baldur's Gate 3 for me personally is it's really like valuable to remember that there's no one way games have to play. Yeah. No one way they should play. Because so many AAA games, as we were alluding to right. earlier, closely, closely resemble each other now. Right. So there's something really beautiful about playing something that just breaks your world open. Totally. Um, even if, you know, that gives you bewilderment and even if it breaks your brain <laughs> completely and you have to play Dwarf for a while <laughs> afterwards, I think that's fine. Expand your horizons is what i'm saying yeah. dear listener um always worth doing yeah. that oh i just remembered another game i recently played was feed all monsters oh yeah i'm not even quite done with it yet but it's just a delightful little puzzle that's game. the one where you draw the lines it's kind of like dandy dungeon or is yeah, that yeah, different? Yeah, yeah yeah um where you've got three characters to play with and they all have different numbers of spaces they can move and different amounts of food they carry and there are monsters that want different quantities of food and there are different obstacles in your way. And it is delightful. I feel it. I feel it. It's just interesting that I've been tending more toward puzzle games lately when that's it was not... never your main job. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's been interesting. Why do you think that is? What is that itch does that scratch? I don't know. I like yeah. I'm not sure. Hmm. I do get frustrated and like turn them off if I get too frustrated. Like and then yeah. But as long, it's interesting yeah. as you've been starting a business, you've been gravitating toward puzzle games. I yeah. think you want like you've been gravitating toward bounded, solvable problems. Hmm. And I think maybe that's exactly what you're not getting from Boulder's Gate 3. Right? <laughs> like, on a narrative level, it's a huge problem. And on top yeah. of that, it's squiggly. Right. But it's also like, you know, clearing this room in the alchemist basement out is a bounded, solvable problem. Right. But knowing where to go next extremely yep. is not. Correct. It's almost a blind choice. Exactly. Right. Yeah, no, that does make sense. But my my real world is too boundless at the moment i want something <laughs> bound and it's also like i mean you've been dealing with all of the the stuff about so for, for, i mean we may as, we're not super anonymous on here right uh the business in question is a flower shop in providence rhode island it's called four buds floral i'll link to it it's a cool flower <laughs> shop but you've been dealing with all of the the nonsense of starting up a business yeah. and especially of making a a co-op you know something that's just a four-way split There's a legally a extant entity bureaucratic bullshit because Rhode Island is weird and didn't pass a law making a cooperatively owned corporation legal until, or like explicitly legal until 2017. So it's like all the bureaucratic bullshit is still catching up with it. And I'm having to like jump through these dumb hoops and sign papers that don't make sense because they're trying to fit square pegs, round holes, whatever. 
so yeah, it's it's nice to have <laughs> a game that is all square pegs and square holes. And <laughs> the parallel I'm going to draw. Uh, David Graeber, who I never shut up about in real life, but who I'm not sure I've ever mentioned on this podcast. Oh, that's interesting. Interestingly. I've mentioned it on the Dice Punks bonus show for sure. My, my obsession with David Graeber, that is. But he wrote a book called The Utopia of Rules about bureaucracy. And it's, to my knowledge, the only time he wrote about games. Oh, um, and one of the things he wrote about was how D&D, he, he talks about this, the tension between play and games. Games have rules. Games have mm. usually winners and losers. And play does not. Play is free, yeah. right? D&D, because someone sits across from you and goes, okay, now what do you do, is free play. But hmm. it's also a version of free play that is very heavy has on- Has rules. Has rules and specifically has paperwork. There's character <laughs> sheets, there's tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, the, huh. he's, he talks about digital games and MMOs specifically as almost all like box ticking, accumulation, gaining levels, hmm. like the bureaucratization of, of free play and like free creativity. Hmm. And not even as a critique necessarily. No, just no, as, like just an observation. There is yeah. a human draw toward both of those things. Right. Toward yeah. absolute free play and toward- bounded rules yeah yeah that we like order we like to have yeah things to categorize and boxes to tick that makes little chemicals in our brain happy <laughs> and i think Baldur's gate 3 is so good at both at that sense of free play and at that sense of like bureaucratic box ticking rules based yeah. you got a level like like it's so good at both that it's like overwhelming on a yeah. cognitive level yeah. sometimes yeah. yeah maybe that's maybe that's exactly it yeah 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 my thesis is not you don't like it because it's too good. My thesis is like <laughs> games have weird effects on your brain. And again, the reason I wanted to frame the conversation this way is because, I mean, it's a seven out of 10, obviously. Uh, James Stephanie Sterling said so, right? And that's who gets to decide what is and isn't a seven out of 10. But but like to me, it's much more interesting to talk about what it's like to play a game. Right. The on an experiential level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, of course, always very subjective, very personal. Right. You bring biography to the table. Totally. But if you're trying to figure out whether this might be a thing that you enjoy, find interesting, that might broaden your horizons, I dare say this is going to be more useful than just hearing <laughs> that the graphics are as good as right, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's such an achievement that the studio made such and a like, robust. It fucking yeah. is. It is. It fucking is. It's true. It's All huge. of that is true. It is a mega game. I'll, right. I'll link to, to Zelvier Nelson Jr.'s uh, great thread about the precarity of mega games and how this is an especially anomalous one that like should be celebrated but we should also but be with aware. caution <laughs> yeah celebrated with caution celebrated with an awareness that the game industry is not in a state that is at all sustainable uh so let's enjoy this weird gem that came out of a strange factory billowing smoke of strange colors uh there may be squiggles in there but we try not to think about it thanks for listening everybody <laughs> The Everybody's Talking at Once podcast is hosted and produced by me, Drew Messenger Michaels, with support of many kinds, one more than usual today from El Viegas, as well as support for, she, she smiled, but you can't hear that, uh, <laughs> as well as support from Francis Michelle Cannon and Lucio Valentino. Our logo is by Aaron Perry Zucker using icons from The Noun Project. Uh, the current version of our theme song is by me. You can find more music that I make at carpedemon.band or by checking out the Charity EP Jam at charityepjam.bandcamp.com. Proceeds from the latter go to Able Gamers. As I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to hear me play tabletop games in less well-known systems with some truly lovely friends, you can do that over on Dice Punks, which you'll find at DicePunks.com or by searching Dice Punks wherever the pods be casting. Uh, we have just finished up our first campaign. The next thing is going to be me GMing some Extreme Meat Punks Forever, which should be rad, and then I believe I am GMing the Halloween special as well. I'm going to do Something is Wrong with This House, lovely indie system. Come check it out if that sounds like your jam, or and or, I should say, if you are intrigued by this whole tabletop thing. 
after this conversation. We thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find this show in all those same podcasty places where you can find Dice Punks. The back catalog's available to all for free. We appreciate you listening, and there's no pressure to do anything more than listen. If you would like to support us, however, thanks. And you can do that by telling a friend about the show, leaving us a good rating or review, or throwing us a few bucks. I think I'm going to wind down the Kofi and the Gumroad and just focus on Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash E-T-A-O. Tremendous thanks to our current patrons, with a special thanks to Carlos de los Santos and Darth Raptora. And an even specialer thanks to the mysterious Ian K, Lucas Cosin, and Sylvain Dufresne. Thank you as always for joining us. Hope to see you in two weeks. Till then, do take care of yourselves. Do take care of each other. So long for now, everybody. You want to say goodbye? Bye. <laughs> you can find us at etaopod.com. We're in the, the fairy dimension where Elle's voice came from just now. <laughs>